Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to March. I'm Russell DeWitt, joined by my co-host Nicholas Moriano. We're here to continue our annual State of the Franchise series as we will begin our assessment and analysis of the Chicago Bears defense. Nick, I know we don't cover college basketball, but I think we're in store for some, uh, you know, for some madness ourselves this month. At least with free agency getting, you know, every day a little bit closer and closer and. Uh, it seems like the Bears are really pushing for a quarterback, whether it be Russell Wilson, like we talked last week, uh, maybe moving up in the draft. But it does seem like the Bears are trying to position themselves and prime themselves uh, to make a big splash at this position, which I would definitely constitute as madness. Absolutely. All you see right now is Russell Wilson news and what NBC Sports Chicago right now is on a Russell just love every single tweet I see from them is something about Russ talk and I'm kind of enjoying it seeing what all the fans the excitement not trying to get their hopes up or anything but it does seem like uh it's just an exciting time I thought you were gonna go with this like March Madness and just college basketball like the Big Ten has been competitive as heck these past couple this whole season so it's been really fun to watch that as well when when we get the chance now that's you that's not me yeah I know Indiana basketball has been uh <laughs> Having a little bit of a tailspin here to kind of close out conference play, and I do not want to get into that right now, but all right. So I know the other day, Nick, the the Bears had a press conference. I didn't find anything substantive enough to do, not an emergency podcast, but we were scheduling out this show, and I told you if something came to it, I know you had a busy schedule, I'll do a solo pod. Obviously, that didn't hit the stream. I think there's a reason behind it. I couldn't find much substance, but do you have anything at all from that press conference that you want to make sure if one of our listeners, even if it's just one, uh, for some reason missed that one tasty nugget, as Will said a long time ago, I want to pull back here, uh, that they didn't uh, overlook. What would that be if you have one? Here's just like maybe a quick synopsis so you don't have to go back and listen to the 42 or 47 minutes combined um, of all both Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy. Everything's on the table when it comes to quarterback. Cleo Mack, Jalen Johnson didn't need surgery at the end of the um, the season. Matt Nagy has three traits when he's looking for a quarterback, which would be you need to have some, um, what was it, decision making's one of them. 
you have to be able to move around in the pocket. If you don't, he'll adjust to it. And then the third one is leadership. So that's what he's looking for in a quarterback. It kind of seemed like how Ryan Pace was talking. It sounds like this, but it really isn't that he would. Mitch Trubisky, there's a possibility could be back. Doubt it, but again, everything's on the table. But really, in that press conference, nothing new was really said. Nothing that, if you missed it, you can move on with your life. You'll be okay without going back and watching that press conference because there really wasn't much said. And I think a lot of Bears fans knew that not a lot was going to be said in that press conference. Anything else kind of kicking off the show that's on your mind? And then we cut Buster screen uh, next week. We do talk about the secondary or our next show, I should say. Oh, we'll be discussing the secondary. I, I think it's worth mentioning here in this episode as well, briefly, uh, that he's gone. Uh, whether that be Duke Shelley replacing him, uh, someone else on the roster, uh, potentially another player that hasn't been uh, you know, on the roster yet, whether it be the draft or free agency. Uh, I think those are interesting things to come to mind and, uh, I think the only other real tangible, I guess, Bears-related news that I've kind of seen uh, outside of the Russell Wilson speculation uh, is just the Bears looking at restructuring some deals uh, like Eddie Jackson, Cody Whitehair to kind of open up some cap for this offseason. But uh, I think every single team in the NFL is doing those types of moves with their players in order to create as much flexibility. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. As they possibly can, uh, to have a uh, you know as much power or as much oomph uh, behind some of their offers uh, that they're going to be putting out here in just a couple of weeks in free agency. Outside of those, or any additional thoughts on those items uh, that you want to make sure we hit on at the top of the show? Yeah, I think the Buster Screen news was to be expected. A lot mm-hmm. of people, I think, a lot of people were expecting that to happen. But if it's a post June first. Um, cut, then the Bears would be actually saving more money. So I guess we'll have to wait and see what the Bears actually end up doing with Buster Screen and just to create more cap space like what they were doing today and possibly trying to restructure Cody Whitehair and Eddie Jackson. And, you know, I tweeted out, like, wonder what they're doing that for. Of course they're doing it to create more cap, but is there a reason behind it? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Just one other thing as I was kind of scrolling through my timeline of what was newsworthy from that press conference. They talked about Allen Robinson a lot, how much they love him as a person, want to keep him with the team. But there's still obviously no contract extension done, and we'll see how that all plays out. And what is it? It's next Tuesday is the deadline to tag um, a player. So we'll know by then what the Bears actually think or what the value that they have in their star number one of the offense wide receiver in Allen Robinson. Yeah, absolutely. I have nothing further to add. It's It's been wait and see, unfortunately, for quite some time now. We talked about that, I think, in great length. In our previous episodes, I don't want to rehash it too much, but as I mentioned on the top of the show, today's episode is the first part of our defensive analysis for the Save the Franchise series. We'll be discussing the defensive line, outside linebackers, as well as the inside linebacking unit, but before we can officially dive into the Bears defense, I do want to share a quick message about our friends over at Manscaped. Who you know, they're simply the best in men's below-the-waist grooming Manscaped. They offer precision-engineered tools for 
your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped, they are trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. So definitely join that group if you can. Manscaped, they've created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. You can now feel confident shaving your boys. I mentioned this last week, but I think it's worth hitting one more time. Uh, just how much I really like that LED light. Uh, that way you can see where you're grooming. I think that's a super underrated element of this shaver. Not many other razors out there. Even if you're going to use this thing for your face, uh, instead of below the belt, it's great to see exactly where you're trying to uh, trim some of those hairs. And I just want to make sure you listen up because our code over the past couple weeks has changed. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And again, the code to use is FANSIDED20. All right, Nick, are you ready to begin breaking down this Bears defense? We have, again, three units today. Defensive line, outside linebacker, and inside linebacker. Plenty of players, plenty of talking points ahead of us. Are you ready to rock and roll? Let's do it. Right on. And just a recap of the 2020 season. This is a Chicago Bears defense that finished 11th in yards allowed per game, 13th in points allowed, 13th against the pass, 14th against the run, 11th on third down, and sixth in red zone stop percentage. So let's pay some homage to Brandon, and let's begin in the trenches here and talk about that Bears defensive line. And Nick, everyone's aware, the Bears play the entire 2020 season without their starting nose tackle. Eddie Goldman opted out of the season due to COVID. Without him, the Bears had to use a committee approach using different players at the position like Ablaw Nichols, John Jenkins, Daniel McCullers, amongst others throughout the year. It did force Lyman to be a little bit more flexible, and I just want to take a moment to discuss, really, Eddie Goldman here. He's one of the better run-stopping defensive linemen slash nose tackles in the league. He finished 10th in a stop percentage, according to PFF, in 2019 uh, when it comes to those run plays. You can also push the pocket, get after quarterbacks. He's not, for those fans who maybe may forget a little bit about Eddie, he's not an elite pass rusher, but we know he can be effective in that regard. So, Nick, when we're looking at Eddie Goldman and a year off, I'm curious if you're expecting any rust or if you believe Goldman will be able to pick up where he left off and just really more importantly, how he'll be able to maybe impact this defense next season. Yeah. I think when you have a year off from playing NFL football in that grueling season, I think your body is just going to adapt and become, you know, it's going to be way better than it would be had he played the season, right? Everyone's, they're still probably recovering from what the season was, even though it was a little bit condensed in terms of what they did prior to the actual regular season starting. But I think Eddie Goldman's going to be refreshed. He's going to be one of those guys out there that should be good to go. Obviously, you need to get into football shape, and that's what this training camp will look like. And we don't know exactly how that format's going to be. But I'm expecting old Eddie Goldman to be the guy that he was before because you talked about guys having to play that, that nose position, that zero technique. They didn't really have a true guy. Jen uh, Jenkins can kind of play that, but Eddie Goldman... We saw how valuable he is to this Bears defense and what he can do just for the, that front seven around him. So I expect him to come back in shape, ready to go, and just be fired up because the mentality for this team, 
whether maybe the outside and a lot of fans believe it, is that they have to win now. It's a playoff-ready team. That was something else they said in the press conference uh, earlier this week. So Eddie Goldman has to fit that mindset that's going to be applied to this team, and I think he'll be ready for it. I hope so. It's really tough whenever you do sit out a year. You have to wonder, and again, this is not really uh, – I don't want to you know, indict Eddie here on the spot, but whenever you take a year off of anything, how much are you saying you know, mentally prepared, physically prepared – um, I think both of us are hoping and everyone listening, he shows up to OTAs, uh, camp in shape. Uh, he's been able to stay engaged mentally. Uh, and it's a lot of time to be away from this football team. Uh, and I believe if you look back at 2019 in the previous seasons, uh, you'll see just how important he can be uh, to this unit. Uh, someone who can control the A-gap, both the weak side and the strong side A-gap. Uh, like I mentioned earlier as well when I was setting this up, uh, being able to push that pocket, that interior collapse it as well. And I think, Nick, uh, my next question for you would be, I know the Bears did a decent job of life without Eddie Goldman last year, but are there any high-level just takeaways after just kind of reassessing the defense that you kind of noticed like they did miss Eddie where maybe things can be better? Because, again, I kind of rattled off the rankings. The Bears were a top five, top ten units for the past few seasons, and they really slipped into average territory. I know that's not all on Eddie Goldman opting out of last season, but I do know a part of the run game slip. Uh, I think there is some elements to this defense that were missed, some wrinkles that were missed without number you know, 91 out there on the field. Yeah, and I think what happened, because Eddie Goldman wasn't there, you had to play guys out of position, and that's the complete opposite of what Sean Desai kind of wants to do with this current group, putting everyone in positions where they're going to succeed like a guy like Bilal Nichols he is a three technique and when you put him inside over you know the center yes there were times where he he held his own he was able to maybe fight off a double team and just keep that gap integrity but where I saw him have the most production last season and the year before that when he's on uh, playing the three technique against the left guard or if they they very they do put him on the right side, but usually on that left side. But So they were forced to put guys, I think, a little bit out of position. Like a Bilal Nichols just had to do that. And then when you lose a Roy Robertson-Harris, then you definitely have to do that. So I think that was a big thing, and that's going to be the opposite of what Sean Desai is going to look for with the current guys that he has. But it just kind of really showed the vulnerabilities that the Bears really do have up front. Because like you said, they were a top five, even top ten unit prior to the season. Now they, they kind of went to more of the average category in terms of run stop and we saw some big games towards the end of the season too so I think that's what it kind of showed without Eddie Goldman they were they they put a band-aid on it now you get Eddie Goldman back I think that'll be a little bit better rip off the band-aid in a good way uh, when it comes to Eddie coming back here in 2021 I want to move over to Akeem Hicks who I don't know for some reason some people in the, the comment section when we started this episode said the Bears just cut him uh, I checked everywhere I could couldn't verify that uh, other than the mini heart attack that I had. Um, but let's move over uh, to Akeem Hicks. He had 53 total pressures last season, which tied his career high that he did set in 2018. He also set a new career high in quarterback hits with 18. And perhaps the best news of all, he was able to play a full season yet again. Uh, Hicks, he is currently 31. He will be turning 32 this upcoming season. Uh, I keep seeing him on lists about players that the Bears could move on from this year in order to save cap. Personally, myself, Nick, I would not consider it unless they free up money for the franchise quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, I think those are the only two players I could see 
you know, envisioning in my own head that this may be a trade-off that I would worth, uh, that I can deem worth exploring here. But even then, I would still want to make sure I exhaust all options before losing Akeem Hicks, uh, because without him, this Bears defense would lose a step. They'd miss out on some energy without Hicks. He's a true warrior. Uh, watch. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Any of the videos the Bears come out with on their own personal channel, uh, anything about that, you can just see Hicks and all the energy and passion that he brings to every single snap. And I really think the Bears' defense in 2021 would uh, severely be hurt without his presence. And when it comes to Hicks, Nick, I'm curious your thoughts about his level of play last year, uh, what you expect out of him in 2021, and whether or not Father Time's going to begin to catch up, or do you think Hicks still has some gas left in the tank to maybe make some explosions? I would hope so, because this Bears' defense could definitely use that level of play. We saw really early on, in the season from Akeem Hicks. And I think that hamstring injury that he sustained against the Minnesota Vikings in that night Monday night game kind of hindered him a little bit. But just going back and watching film, like against the Jaguars, uh, there's this play where Akeem Hicks, there's a polling left guard. He's coming to the right side. Akeem Hicks swims over the right tackle, takes on the polling guard, stops the play basically from happening. And then he's in the face of the the right the right guard that's trying to block him and that's the Akeem Hicks that the Bears need and I think was like I said more so towards the beginning of the season you saw that dominance and I think that that hamstring injury did slow him down a little bit but I think he still has plenty in the tank he was trying to recruit what was it Cameron Jordan earlier on, on Twitter what, about <laughs> a month ago he's like hey you know it'd be a good spot to come and play it's, it's Chicago so I, I I fully believe that he has that left in him and other than that hamstring injury and obviously the elbow injury in 2019, he has been pretty healthy, been able to stay on the field. And when he's out there, you see the difference. And going back to that Minnesota Vikings game, when he left, Dalvin Cook, who was in check basically that entire night for that Bears defense, was able to get some big runs when Akeem Hicks left the field. So he's a difference maker. He makes his defense so much better. But I think towards the end, teams kind of figured, let's not run Akeem Hicks' way. And he's injured, so maybe we can get away with a few things that we normally couldn't if he was at 100%. But he is a game changer, and the only way I could see him off this team, and if it was with the trade, like you said, well, if it is for that franchise quarterback. Other than that, you have to have Akeem Hicks in your plans for 2021. When I was looking at snap counts, his snap counts from last season were very identical to 2018. Do you think he has enough? Again, I don't know why I keep going back to gas in the tank, but it's the phrase that comes to mind. Does he, at this stage of his career, do you look at a pitch count? Do you look at maybe limiting some of those snaps so you get more bang for your buck uh, when he's out there? Again, I think with Akeem, he's a he's a different breed, uh, and I think a larger snap count, if healthy, would be okay. Uh, and looking at the depth here, though, uh, and I know there's a lot of free agents that are pending, and we'll talk about those soon. Uh, but I feel like this has always been one of the deeper positional units so they could pro potentially uh, be able to rest him uh, with minimal risk and to keep him 
uh, as rested and as impactful as he can be for the whole season. Uh, is that something that when you're looking at the next upcoming year uh, that you're kind of you know weighing personally or just kind of thinking on as well, like me, or are you you know full out green light when it comes to Keem Hicks in uh, 2021? Uh, yeah, it's always so iffy with a guy like we know how much of an impact he is, so you want to have him available. I think it's really going to depend on who they bring back, and we'll get okay. to that towards the later part of the show because, like I said, Bilal Nichols is a three-tech, just just like what Akeem Hicks would primarily play. He'd play opposite of him, but you know, you had a Brett Urban when Akeem Hicks wasn't in the game, Brett Urban would play that spot, and we saw bits and flashes and we'll talk about him as well but so I think it's gonna all depend on who they bring back but I would be all for Akeem Hicks being able to play football if the Bears can make it in January and let's see if it's say February uh, hold it right there but yeah I know but that's where I'd want Akeem Hicks to be more productive like I wish if anything if his production came towards the end of the season that means you know that's where that's a good like, point that's, because it does feel like the past few years, he starts the seasons off so strong. Uh, 2018 is a great indicator of this, where he starts off the season so strong, racks up over half of his sacks in the first six, seven games, and then really tapers off. So if you can find a way to bottle that and push it into November, December, you know, end stage uh, of the season type of games, that's an interesting thought as well. And again, you, you still need him to play the whole 16, but kind of like what they did with Danny Trevathan last year, where their goal was, hey, we want Danny to be able to play 20 games this year. I think a similar approach for Akeem Hicks uh, may be warranted here uh, with this upcoming season. Uh, I expect him to be on this team uh, unless a huge move happens uh, with some of those bigger names that are kind of going around the rumor mill currently. Uh, But outside of that, I expect him to be on this team next year. I want to move on to Nick. when you look at the rest of the defensive line, I mentioned they don't have a lot of linemen currently under contracts next year. We have Ballon Nichols, Lakeel London, and that's it. All the other players that had strong contributions last year, whether it be Roy Robson Harris early on, John Jenkins, Brent Urban, and Mario Edwards, they're all up for new deals. And we'll definitely hit on all of them during pass or play. So right now, let's focus on Bilal Nichols, who I believe was able to overcome that sophomore slump that we saw in 2019. Nichols finished with 32 total pressures, six sacks, seven quarterback hits, 19 hurries, 28 tackles, all of which were career highs. So, Nick, we talked about Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks. I get excited yet again. It's another year of this. uh, but, But thinking about the potential of Nichols and Goldman and Hicks being your starting trio, up front, and if you take it one step back, you know, when preparing for the show, I keep thinking 2021 could be the year we all thought that could happen in 2019 and 2020. Of course, Nichols had the sophomore slump, Eddie Goldman opted out a year, so we've had to be patient. But now I'm wondering, yet again, could 2021 be the year with those three being a top notch starting trio for this Bears defensive line? Where's your headspace on a Nichols growth? And what's to come maybe here with the bigger picture? Yeah, no, that's that's kind of the thought I had, Will. It's like we never had seen this at full strength. These three guys playing really mm-hmm. um, at, at full strength and being just available. So that is exciting. And look, Bilal Nichols, like I said, was playing out of position. He did the best he could, honestly, playing that, that nose tackle position and having to take on double teams. At that three-tech, you're not necessarily take you're still gonna there's still gonna be double teams he's got to face but it's not gonna be as frequent 
and you're on one side, and he just knows how to... I think he just has, what, only in year three, being having a good repertoire of moves. Like, I've seen him do spin moves. I've seen him use his hands with a swim move. I've seen him use power, speed to power. And it's like, okay, now supplement that with an Eddie Goldman in the middle, and then Akeem Hicks does his thing. That is a that's a fearsome just trio right there, and you're not going and putting having to put people out of position. So I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see what those three can potentially do when they're all in their natural spots. So I, I'm excited about it. I want to see what Bilal Nichols. We saw the flashes first year, the sophomore year, like you said, not as much. But and then in year three, we kind of saw a little bit of both in different parts of the season. So. Put them all three on the field at the same time for year four. Well, now now we may have something. Maybe. Yeah, we have a lot of depth issues to, uh, to kind of talk through here. When I was going through my notes, Nick, I believe we should hold that depth conversation for pass or play uh, to kind of eliminate some repetition uh, if you're down for that plan of action. Yeah, I think that we would. I, I'm all for it, Will. You take over. <laughs> That's what I do here, man. Uh, not not a problem. Uh, so looking at the defensive line unit as a whole, what's your biggest high area, you know, level of improvement need? For me, it's interesting. I think you can look at pass rush every single year. And like they need more pass rush. So I think that's an obvious one. I believe with Eddie Goldman back, it, this should help. Um, but that interior last year, it just got pushed too much. Uh, there's too many times when you go back and you watch this Bears defense where the nose – uh, whoever it was at the time, John Jenkins, Brent Urban, uh, Belon Nichols, too many times uh, where they're getting double teamed and getting just destroyed, obliterated, and just getting into that second level. And that is a big reason why I believe this Bears run defense uh, did dip into that average category instead of being top five, top ten, uh, like we've seen over the past couple of seasons. Uh, so I think being stronger at the point of attack, uh, specifically inside out, uh, with their run fits, gap integrity to open up some of these inside linebackers to me is the biggest need. And I think the best news of all is that if Eddie Goldman comes back and can be uh, remain, I guess I should say, the player that we know he is, uh, even despite a year off, uh, that should be easily fixed uh, for this defense. So I think even though it's the biggest area of the need, I b- also believe it should be easily uh, obtainable for this unit, which to me is a, a real big confidence boost, if you will. But how about you? After looking back at last season, any big area of need uh, from a consensus hole? Yeah, my my thing is like injuries happen at any point, and there's no given that even if Eddie Goldman comes back, he get in, get injured week one. It's like the Bears need to have a plan, and we're going to talk about depth. But I feel like the depth, not really so much at the guys at the ends, but really the interior. John Jenkins is that true nose behind an Eddie Goldman. But if something were to happen there, and you have to rely on John Jenkins, who's not even under contract, so whoever it may be, that's where I would like to see an addition. Just somebody that, it could be a veteran, and he just needs to be a big body, honestly. He needs to be a a big-bodied veteran that you can count on. And if you can get that, I feel a little bit more confident in it, because again, we I talked about Eddie Goldman. Yes, he should be good to go after a year's worth of rest, but you never know. That's a year off of football. What if there's an injury that saying. happens? Yeah, I, I so still, that's the thing. Did I say this two weeks ago where Eddie Goldman is going to come back, he's going to lose like 200 pounds, and he's going to become like the next quarterback? Like he saw what Rashad <laughs> Coward was able to do. Oh, I, you know, going from defensive line to offensive line, oh, you know, hold my beer. Takes a year off, sheds a ton of weight. 
he's the next Deshaun Watson. Obviously not, but <laughs> like when it comes to that backup, you mentioned John Jenkins, and you said they just need you know a bigger body veteran to maybe fill in. I would like to request of you to maybe take your standards up just a little bit uh, because I feel like they had that last year in a Daniel McCullers who didn't see a lot of playing time, uh, which makes me come to the conclusion that maybe just having a big body and being a veteran may not be <laughs> the only two attributes you need to have to be a, a, a solid backup nose tackle in this defense. Be good at football, too. That that might be a good attribute to add to the big body to being a veteran. That, that could help. Um, but, yeah, no, so that's a guy that I maybe we'll, we'll touch on a little bit, McCullers. But a little bit. it's just you need to have somebody there that you can rely on. Like Much like a Brett Urban was uh, uh, for when Akeem Hicks was in or when Bilal Nichols had to take a breather, you can rely on a guy like that. So that's the kind of level of play. I'm not looking for anything spectacular or anything anything of that nature just basically doing your job is what we would like to see out of that position if eddie goldman's out of the game if he were to get injured whatever it may be so you're also looking inside being the vulnerable spot from last year and trying to come up with a you know a plan of action to make sure it's not yet again so very similar to mine uh which no surprise uh, when it comes to you and me uh current confidence level uh the overall depth uh, it's an interesting situation considering all of the free agents at the position. Uh, I do have, at least personally, faith that the right guys will be signed. They will come back. Uh, it's a real deep unit. It has been for the past few seasons. I don't expect that to change, uh, but it's a, how, how are you f- uh, approaching this one? Yeah, like we talked about the three, the three starters. That's a mm-hmm. good group with Hicks, Goldman, Nichols. I re- I feel really good about that. And I really liked how some of this depth played last year. I just don't know which guys will be back. But this is, I think, overall, it could be a strong unit. But I think the key factor in this to whoever remains is going to be whether or not Chris Rumpf, the new defensive line coach, can get the most out of this defensive line a lot like Jay Rogers did, which is a huge, huge loss for this Bears defense. And that's going to be key, I think. So... I put my confidence, and I don't know if this is too high, but I'm sticking with it because it's in the notes. I put it at a seven for this group because I, I do like the guy that top three, and I think like you will, they will bring the right guys back. That's why I put mine at a 7.5. So you're not too high. Uh, I'm right along there with you. Uh, I think last year, uh, heading into training camp, this was one of those borderline tens for us. Maybe it was like a nine because we knew Eddie Goldman. Did we know he was opting out? Regardless, I know it was one of the deeper positions on the roster heading in the last year. I expect it to be the same this year. Uh, and all the guys that we're going to talk about during pass for play should be able to come back on super team-friendly deals, uh, be able to fill that depth, know the system, uh, know the new, uh, you know, Sean Desai, the coordinator, and all those things should be able to meld and mesh to, together pretty well. So that's why my confidence is still uh, rather high here, uh, despite the fact that you have – uh, you're starting three than Daniel McCullers, as it stands today. Now, we have a few weeks for things to change. Uh, but, Nick, are you ready to move on to outside linebacker? Let's do it. All right, beginning with Khalil Mack, uh, because I'll do anything to uh, prolong any discussion that we need to have about Robert Quinn. Just letting you know why I'm ordering how I am. Mack, he had himself a pretty solid year, despite having uh, the fewest tackles in a season since his rookie year. Uh, he finished with 10 sacks. 59 total pressures, and yes, that is one less sack than Leonard Floyd had for the Rams. Max, 43 hurries this year, ranked third among all edge rushers. Uh, still, though, when I kind of think about Max's performance, 
I'm still yearning for more. Uh, I believe it's warranted, just given the contract and everything the Bears did give up to acquire him. And I know he's one of the best in the game. He impacts game plans. Teams tend to go away from him. But I'm still hoping, and unfortunately this is hope that's been kind of carrying over from season to season, but the Bears should, and I would hope, can find a way to unlock or unleash more of Mac in 2021. I'm just curious, Nick, about your thoughts on Khalil Mack heading into next season. Uh, I'm glad to hear uh, that the injury that he sustained last year won't need surgery, so he should be healthy and ready to go. But when it comes to Khalil Mack here in March, as we're looking forward to the upcoming year, what should we kind of use as our frame of reference, our point of mind here uh, when it comes to one of the better edge rushers in the game where I think all Bears fans are still hoping for more of those big-time, game-changing, explosion type of plays. Yeah, and I think Bears fans should expect that because that's, I think, what a Khalil Mack really expects out of himself. I still remember when he was riding on that Peloton bike right back in <laughs> whenever it was doing the interview. So he he should be held to that standard, and his numbers didn't quite reflect what I think a lot of people were expecting of him, but I just don't think the defense did all it could you know, Chuck Pagano to put these guys in the best positions. And I think Khalil Mack is still one of the best defensive players in football. No doubt. No questions asked. You just got to watch the the Houston game and see how he kind of takes over and influences almost every single one of those plays to kind of know that. But we, we do need to see that production. Like that's why he was at one point in time, the highest paid defensive player in the game. So once I think Sean Desai puts his imprint of what he's really expecting out of this defense and actually gets some production out of the, the guy that we're going to have to talk to at some about at some point, Will and Robert Quinn, we should see Khalil Mack be I don't like 2018 was crazy. That was just a crazy season and what he was able to do. And I, I don't know. He's capable of it. No doubt. No doubt. He's still capable. Of, like if there's one guy that he can hold a standard to it, it's Khalil Mack to that, but it's just, all the fumbles and all the sacks and all the game game changing plays, it's tough to replicate. It's like we're you know, similar to Eddie Jackson and the interception. It's like tough. But Khalil Mack's one guy that can I think can produce those stats. It's just gotta be the right everyone's gotta be playing cohesively and Sean Desai's gonna have a big part of that. But Khalil Mack I think was he's still good. He's still good. He was still the Bears best defender last year. We just need to see the numbers kinda come with it. I wanna get a quick yes or no answer. Will he have more sacks in 2021 than last season? Yes. Yes, he okay. will. Oh, okay. You said yes, yes, he will. That's four words. Ask for one. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> it. Let's move on to Robert Quinn, though. Uh, unfortunately, I don't need to uh, re-explain how much of a disappointment he was. Only the two sacks, 32 total pressure for the entire season. Uh, the two sacks have him ranked with the fifth fewest of all edge rushers. Uh, with that had at least 223 pass rush snaps. Uh, his 32 pressures ranked 12th fewest. Quinn was supposed to be that dominant force opposite of Mac to kind of open up some of his game, as we were just mentioning. This defense last year was supposed to have that formidable force on both edges, but that dream was not realized. I'm curious, Nick, uh, is Quinn, obviously he's going to be a bear next year, like it or not, just due to how that contract, contract is structured. Uh, do you have any hope that he can turn into the player that the Bears kind of hoped he could be or get closer to that? Or are we in store for more doom and gloom? I know his 
second half of the season, or I guess more specifically after the bye week. We talked about this a lot during the season, after the year. There was a little bit of an uptick. I don't know if that's enough to get me excited about uh, can, uh, any sort of consistency out of him next year, at least of consistent good play. Yeah, it's so hard to gauge with him um, because just kind of watching the plays that he was successful in. Yes, I, that, I didn't say that wrong. There were plays that he did um, make some type of impact or had you know decent film. Is where he was in a role that he was familiar with that he was in Dallas. Hands in the dirt, uh, going against that left tackle. And he did his patented little jump chop block move where it that's where he wins with, with speed, can kind of get up in the air, move his hands, and kind of move the tackle out of the way and bend to get to the quarterback. So he's it a just, one-trick it, pony? That's, that's, that's it, Will. He is a one-trick pony because when they asked him to stand up or be in a two-point stance, I, I felt like the rush wasn't the same. It didn't come with as much enough speed, enough power, and just enough impact on the offensive lineman to where if – Robert Quinn's not doing that. I don't know if you should expect anything out of Robert Quinn, but the Bears had to have known that. They they knew he didn't drop back in coverage at Dallas. I think he had like 10 or something all year. It was an extremely low number. He dropped back way more mm-hmm. with uh, Chuck Pagano in this defense. And, you know, they're going to be asked to go in a two-point stance. So Robert Quinn should have known that too. It should have been a fluid conversation. But to me, he is a one-trick pony. He needs to be hands in the dirt in that left tackle, and let him just rush the passer. If he's not doing that, well, it's it gets really iffy with him in terms of the real impact he can have. I wish there was someone in this podcast almost a year ago that would have pointed out the discrepancies between his hand in the dirt versus stand-up rusher stats throughout his career, brought up some concerns. Oh, yeah, that was me. Uh, you were a little bit more positive, and I, I think we're all kind of looking through it with, uh, you know, uh, rainbow lens, whatever you want to call it, sunglasses. Like, we're excited about everything that he may still bring, even though history told us it may not be the best fit. And like you said, Nick, and I don't know if it was due to the COVID last year, and obviously COVID March 2021 is a little different than COVID March 2020. Uh, when you have to do things a little bit more remote, you're not used to it. Uh, we, I think we talked about uh, the combine last year or looking at the combine this year about uh, catfishing and you can say all the right things, but it's real hard to get that real personal fit when you can't meet people in person. And I wonder too, how did both Quinn and the Bears come to an agreement like this is the right fit? And for Quinn's camp, it had been the monetary value, uh, which does make me question uh, how aggressive they were in pursuing him. Um, but when I look at this upcoming season, I can't have any high hopes that he can be the same player that he was in Dallas in 2019. I can't. Uh, I w- only can really hope for this modest improvement from what we saw a year ago. And that's all I can hope for. It's not even a guarantee. Uh, so I think that's damning in its own right as well. Um, but regardless, Robert Quinn still remains a, uh, a thorn in our side here for at least another season. But and I think, Nick, uh, I'll, I'll end with this. But if for some reason the light switch goes back off and he can become the same player he was or get close to the production that we saw in 2019, then the defense can get real scary, uh, especially at the edge position. And that should open up Khalil Mack a little bit more, having someone who can win those one-on-one matchups on the opposite side 
that's what could really make this de- de- uh, this defense a difference maker. Uh, we hoped it was Leonard Floyd. We hoped it was Robert Quinn. We got to hope it's maybe it's Robert Quinn again. Uh, we'll talk about that. I have some thoughts uh, later on here in the show. Um, and even though you and I are we're not even going to get close to saying he can do that or expect him to do that, I do want to at least say if he can and if it's good, and that's a Hercules reference if you like Disney movies, that could be a huge game changer for the Bears defense coming next season. That could be a, a pleasant surprise uh, if it does pan out, but I can't put any, I wouldn't put a dollar on it if I, if I had one. Yeah, I hope uh, someone in the chat knows where that Disney reference comes from. I won't say it because I know exactly where it is, but we'll see if it ends up in the chat somewhere. But um, the big thing, Robert Quinn, if he if if he could be that guy, and you have the three interior defensive yep. linemen, like we're saying, that could be this full strength of this defense with Sean Desai, who's who said he's going to put everyone in positions where they're going to be successful. Well, now we do have a scary front seven. We are, you know, just a scary outside linebacker group. And then the defensive linemen, that could be something, Will. So what the if, if is going to be the, you know, the word there. It's the key word, without a doubt. Looking at the rest of the rotation here, the Bears currently only have uh, Travis Gibson, uh, who will be in the second year under contract. I think Little Mac counts as well, uh, but again, I'm looking at players that were on the active roster. Uh, Gibson, he didn't see a lot of time as a rookie uh, in the field. We all knew the fifth-round pick. He's going to take some time to develop. That was well documented uh, from the people we spoke to after the draft, and um, I think his rookie season was about on par with what, at least what I expected, and Nick, I would assume, close to yours as well. Uh, the two veterans we saw were Barkevius Mingo and James Vaudert. Mingo had some solid contributions. So did Vaudert. Both of them had limited roles, but in those times, uh, they were able to at least contribute more than we saw like a Kylie Fitz and Isaiah Irving in the previous seasons. Uh, and I know we have to determine some fates here in pass or play, um, but I'm just curious, before we get to that, how large of a need is Edge for you? Because I know we kind of threw the if question out there. I'm still, as I stand here today, if I'm Ryan Pace, at the very least, I need to find one more edge player, regardless who I bring back between Mingo and Vodders, who has, I would say, starter fringe potential in case Quinn continues the bomb. Yeah, no, you have to. And they did re-sign Vodders to that. That's uh, right. That's right. I forgot about that note. Thank so you. they re-signed him. But I, like just watching some Barkevious Mingo tape, Will, I love the effort that that man plays mm-hmm. with, whether it is on kickoff or when he is in on defense, he knows that, hey, if my first move to rush the quarterback doesn't work, he's so good at recognizing when the quarterback peels off. There's a play against uh, the Detroit Lions when Matthew Stafford's leaking out. Uh, this is the the game at Soldier Field, and Barkevis Mingo recognizes it's able to stop Matthew Stafford from getting the first down. I think the, the Detroit Lions end up punting, but he did that a couple times. There was a sack against Daniel Jones where he – takes his rush up field, recognizes he's about to leave the pocket, the quarterback, and he is able to be there. And I, I saw that kind of happen con- consistently for when he was out there, and he almost had the near interception on Aaron Rodgers in Week 17. So I was like, wow, okay, Barkevius Mingo, former first-round draft pick who's been on about, what, seven or eight different teams, it feels like. but Like a fourth of the league, s- yeah. Yeah, so he, has ma- he made some contributions that I probably wasn't expecting, but – he was a nice addition, and we know that they're bringing back Vodders for who had his, his flashes at, as well. I think they both 
got a half a sack on Teddy Bridgewater against Carolina, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. They both met Bridgewater in the backfield. But, yeah, I liked what I saw from Mingo, but still, you, you probably would want to bring in somebody else just in case Robert Quinn ends up having the season that he did last year. I think Mingo's contributions are solid. I just don't think you can count on him uh, to be a, a, quote, starter uh, at the position. And I know outside linebacker, uh, like a lot of defensive positions, there's a heavy with rotation, uh, and you have to be real particular uh, when he makes some of these swaps. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't put him out there for starting snap counts, um, but I would be very open. Uh, again, maybe spoiler alert, uh, but when you get to pass for play, bringing him back as well. When you look at the outside linebacker, uh, highest level area of improvement need. I still think I can put that better in my notes, but uh, is it anything more than getting, I guess, additional output from that second starter opposite of Mac? Cause that's every time I went back to this note, uh, my thought kept going uh, right to back to the same point. It has to be that because I think the backups played better than probably we were both expecting in terms of what, you know, being Vodders and Parkevis Mingo in his first year in the Bears, it needs to be more production opposite of Cleo Mack. Whoever that is, but specifically the the man who's making, I don't even know how much Robert Quinn is making too this much. year, but too much is the right answer. So there just needs to be more production there. You need, whether, and he doesn't have to, even, like, yes, we need to see sacks. That'd be great, but allow Cleo Mack to be himself, to be the dominant player that he is. Take some attention off, like, that's that's all we're asking at this point because that's that's what we were kind of expecting that you couldn't double team Mac every play because you had to at least worry about Robert Quinn. Teams didn't worry about Robert Quinn, so they can just go to Mac. Right, and if they do double team or triple team Khalil Mac, and then you have the guy on the opposite side that can win those one on ones consistently, or at least consistently enough to make you not want to double Khalil. And that was the furthest from the truth uh, when it came to Robert Quinn. He could put a tight end on him, and he'd still. Uh, struggle to get into the pocket but uh, when you look at this position as a whole uh Vodders is back I think that helps a little bit uh confidence level one to ten. Oh, this one is tough Will like you have Cleo Mack you have one of the best yeah, I know. at the position so that that you know raises it then you have Robert Quinn and I just don't think he's gonna play as bad as he did last year I don't think that I gave it a six and a half I don't know if I'm low again uh what I get seven for the defensive line i gave it a six and a half though how are you feeling about the confidence in this group i was at a six so i was a little higher than you for defensive line a little lower here uh mac great player i i still think we're looking for a little bit more production uh and again i know he does so many things outside of the stat sheet um but you don't pay a guy as much as you think Khalil mac to not do the things that get counted as stats you, you need finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. The tackles for a loss, you need the sacks, you need the force fumbles, you need the pressure as the quarterback hits. Those are very important. Uh, so for me, I'm about a six. Uh, Robert Quinn, I'm not going to hold my breath whatsoever. Vaughters comes back, which is fine, um, but you're still looking at this rotation. You're still missing your three, uh, which I would hope is Mingo, and then we're still missing a two. Uh, we could be honest. Uh, and Travis Gibson, I expect him to be able to be a little bit more of a 
integral part of the rotation. Um, but he's still someone that I would not be surprised if this is another slower year for him. And then it's year three where he starts to take some of his uh, jumps and his progression as well. Fifth round pick, a really raw talent, an exciting talent at that. But I still think he's someone that we need to be patient with uh, as he kind of goes through his career here. All right, so for our final position today, it's time to take a look at the Bears' inside linebackers. And I want to begin with Roquan Smith. Had such a strong season. The game really slowed down for him, and uh, you can tell he was reading and reacting just so much quicker, uh, processing things so much faster than his previous seasons. He was all over the field. 96 solo tackles. That was second in the NFL. He also had four sacks, two interceptions, and perhaps most importantly, his 18 tackles for a loss were tied for, I think, second most in the NFL behind T.J. Watt. So, Nick, when we look at Roquan and his game and how it took that big leap last year, what are you looking forward to next season? Are you starting, and maybe we'll start with that positive question, and then the second half of it is, are you starting to get concerned with some of these uh, injuries, these bigger injuries that he's starting to stack in back-to-back seasons? Yeah, so starting with the positive, I mean, you just seeing able to diagnose things at a higher rate, and he was he was pretty darn good at it just in his rookie season. But knowing exactly where the play's going, and him just having the athleticism, the speed, that sideline to sideline speed that we all knew he was coming in with, it shows out there, and it's a, more effective because now he understands the plays, and he got better in coverage from twenty nineteen to 2020 so you're just seeing a a three down linebacker that makes an impact in the game and I think at that position there are so few of those guys that are actually game changing at that position because that you just you can have regular you know inside linebackers they could be okay with you but no Roquan Smith you have to account for him there are plays where if you're going to run an outside zone play well you know even if Roquan Smith's on the backside he could get there and he knows the most effective way to get to the ball carrier. So that was fun to see him kind of go through that. But now what you are starting to see, though, with the pec injury and the dislocated elbow, just these injuries kind of piling up. And linebacker position is not going to get any less physical over the years. No way. If anything, he's just going to take on more uh, more of a punishment because the teams know he's that guy. I think that... That is something to keep in mind. Um, he's a fantastic player. N- no doubt should have been first team All-Pro, not mm-hmm. what was it, I think the second or whatever he ended up making. He is that caliber player. But the injuries, if he can't stay on the field, well, then, then we see the lack of depth of that position. We'll talk about that too. But Roquan Smith, he's he makes that defense run. And him being able to call the plays now, taking over that responsibility, being the third down backer when Dan Trevathan went out, the team trusted him, and they should because he plays really good football. I think that's a great thing to look back on and kind of acknowledge as a great stepping stone for his career uh, because early on that was uh, something. It took time, and that wasn't a surprise, even though he was a top-10 pick, uh, where early on in his career that was Danny's role. He did have to go off the field, Roquan did early on, and for him to be able to solidify uh, being that three-down linebacker, I, I think it's a great uh I guess, sign for his mental progression. Uh, And I I think we saw uh, a big reason why he was able to be uh, such a force when it comes to, uh, you know, taking guys down behind the line of scrimmage uh, was really due to that mental processing, being able to read, react, diagnose plays uh, so much faster uh, than he did in year one or year two. 
so hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, I know for me, whenever I see a, a player go down with bigger injuries like that uh, in back-to-back seasons, I get concerned about the longevity of a career. Uh, but I think for our focus, as we're looking for 2021, obviously he's uh, one of the best players you have in this defense, uh, if not right now the best or at least most productive player in this defense. And uh, the hope would be he can continue that consistency and still take another uh, step forward, maybe get a little bit more national recognition. Doesn't mean much to me. Doesn't mean a lot to you. Probably doesn't mean a lot to Roquan. Um, but I think it's nice to see uh, when it does come through as well. I want to move on to Dan Trevathan. Uh, the Bears brought him back last offseason in favor of Nick Lukowski, uh, and things looked pretty bleak from the jump. Uh, without a preseason, Trevathan was missing a step in his game really for the first portion of the year, um, but he did get better as the season kind of went on. Finished with 47 tackles. He was still strong against a run. I can recall just a handful of plays where he's just blowing up the run between the tackles. But it was his coverage, and right from the beginning of the year, it was a super suspect and uh, I know he's not getting any younger. So, Nick, what will be the Danny Trevathan that we see next season? Will we see the one from early on last year, the one we saw down the stretch, someone in the middle, or I guess another one at all? <laughs> yeah, very good point. I I really don't know, Will, because there we saw – I. I think I saw just kind of watching the games that I did, some a good game, a bad game, and then a mediocre game. It's just – the good Dan Trevathan plays downhill, plays fast, is able to beat the linemen to the spot, and that's why he's able to make plays. The bad Dan Trevathan is hesitant, is a step slow, seeing, recognizing when a drag route's coming over the middle, and therefore is beat way before he even starts running to try and cover whoever he has to. And at the linebacker position, he's going to be asked to do that. So it just, and it was too far in between both both sides of the Dan Trevathans that I saw that going into 2021, maybe now that he's more adjusted to what the COVID protocols are going to be like going into the offseason, maybe that'll help him out because it was new for everybody going into 2020. And Was that the reason he had a slow start? Maybe, probably not. He just wasn't playing good football in the beginning. But I just don't know. And I think that's what's scary because if you get mm-hmm. one you know, one bad day in Trevathan one game, uh, then you see what happens against Green Bay at week 17 where he has I think that's defensive you know fault where he has to cover a wide receiver downfield like that's not gonna equate to a lot of success in the middle of that defense so to to answer your question I have no idea what kind of Dan Trevathan we're going to get he's capable of playing really high level football but he's also capable of playing some really bad football as well yeah and it's just I think it's just the nature of all the injuries he's taken throughout his career uh, getting a little bit older. Speaking of which, does that make you feel old yourself? Uh, I shared an article with you earlier today that you wrote uh, way back in 2016. Uh, and Danny Trevathan, I think, was like the first out of five potential free agent signings you wanted the Bears to make that offseason. And I, I was uh, just smiling a little bit reading that because you're talking about like this young linebacker and like over and over again. And I know that was 2016. Uh, you and I were just kind of starting our uh, relationship Uh, in general and here on the podcast, but uh, A, it feels like yesterday, and he's not a young buck anymore. No, and what, that was just coming off a Super Bowl victory, or was it Super Bowl loss, Super Bowl victory? I can't even remember. Super Super Bowl something. So, yeah, I really wanted to enter Nathan, and I would say for the most, yes, he's had his injuries, but he has been a productive player for the interior of this Bears defense. But, yeah, it seems 
it's it's crazy that that came up on the, on the timeline. It came up in my memories too, seeing that. And Tashawn Gibson was also on there, and you know he's on the well. I guess we'll see if he stays there, and that's for yeah. another week. But yeah, that's uh, it's crazy to see. Looking at in inside linebacker real quick, just the remaining depth. Uh, I'm going to go a little off the cuff because my notes do not uh, indicate current status. Uh, Josh Woods has been resigned, uh, so they will plan to bring him back next season. Uh, I know the Bears also brought in late last year Manti Te'o, uh, who did play pretty well in that wild card game in place of Roquan Smith. And then you have Joel E.A. Booneyway, who has yet to really develop to the degree that I think we're all kind of hoping uh, as well. Uh, so I'm curious when you look at the depth here, uh, are there any of this bigger talking points that you wanted to mention uh, regarding it, your concerns, uh, your confidence? Uh, two years ago, this is, a, this is one of the deepest units on the team when he had Roquan and uh, a Danny that was playing at a higher level, Nick Wachowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis which I think was uh, when you look at KPL, you can really tell how good the coaching was uh, and as good as a fit that was for him. But when you look at the depth, uh, I don't think it's the same as it, as it used to be from the top down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what what is – I think what I'm thinking about in terms of those three players, you see the wild card game. Monte Teo was on the practice squad, but ended up getting far more snaps than a Josh Woods, who the Bears just re-signed. And I, we were talking yesterday about like how I felt about Josh Woods. I, I had changed, I changed my mind since then, and we'll get to that in pass or play. But yeah, it's definitely not the group that it was because you can feel, you would feel comfortable if like Roquan Smith had to take a snap out, Nick Wachowski's in there. And maybe early on that wasn't the case in terms of Kwiatkowski and coverage, but KPL was able to play some really good football. We saw it in person against the Chiefs, but, I mean, they blew out the Bears. But whatever, we saw him play some good football at times. Um, but that's you can't say that. If Joel E.A. Buniwe's in the game and Josh Woods in the game, you're like, all right, you know what that offense is going to attack, and they're going to attack that position often. It's definitely not the same group, the same depth overall as it once was. Uh, looking at the biggest area of need uh, for me, uh, I feel like it's coverage uh, from Roquan's counterpart. Uh, Danny Trevathan is probably the name there, uh, but that was just when you whenever you give up a pass rating over 120 for a season, that's tough. Uh, it's an obvious weak link uh, for any defense, and uh, Roquan's such a great. He's strong in coverage. He's strong against the run. Uh, I feel like having such a sore spot at the other inside linebacker. So whenever you're in base. Uh, just makes for an obvious read, an obvious mismatch, uh, hence the receiver going on Danny Trevathan. Uh, so a little bit more flexibility there uh, and maybe a little bit less lenience of having to switch to a dime package uh, instead of keeping your base when needed. So you can keep two backers out there. Uh, so for me, my biggest area of need would be uh, just better coverage from whoever is that second starting inside backer who is not named Roquan Smith. How about you? I just want to – I don't even know if it's a need, but it's what I, I think the Bears should do. And maybe under Sean Desai they will. We didn't see as many of those double A-gap blitzes. And I don't know if it's just because of the defensive front that was in, you know there. There's no Eddie Goldman to really do that as much. So maybe that influenced things. But I think those two guys are capable of providing some pressure on, on opposing quarterbacks. And the Bears did not get enough of that from their edge guys. You have to get it somewhere. 
and you can have great coverage and, and everything like that, and that can also lead to pressure. But I think I would like to just see a little bit more of that. And was it a weakness? It's not a weakness if they're not the defense coordinator's not calling it, but it means that Danny Trevathan's also not in pass coverage. So that could help as well. So I'd just like to see a little bit more of that going into 2021. All right. Current confidence level at this position, I'm at about a seven. Where do I have on my notes? Okay, I have a six. It, it really, I think it's Danny Trevathan. It's much like the Cleo Mack and the next guy, you know, next to him, right? But, yeah, I'm at a six. I think we just don't know what we're going to see from Danny Trevathan. And if it's that, if it's a 50-50 for me, I can only give it one above the, you know, the, the half marker there at five. So I went with the six. When I think of Danny Trevathan, I still remember the Miami game. Uh, do you remember when I went to talk to his family for a few minutes? Uh, when That's we're in right. Sand? Oh, man. Uh, I met his mom, his aunt. Oh, it was such a good group of people. Uh, yeah, we're in the stands down there in Miami, and you see a bunch of people wearing number 59. And you're like, hmm, why is a whole section wearing the same number? Talk to them. And, I mean, that was the year where, you know, we were Super Bowl aspirations, really steep playoff run at that point. And they're like, you know, whenever the Super Bowl hits, I think it was in Atlanta that year, and they're excited about that. You know, like, where were the parties at? And I was like, I like that. Uh, so that's like one of the bigger memories I have of Danny uh, as well. So it's not like it's – I want to make sure it's like there's some positive in there. Uh, and I think when his time does come to a close in Chicago, uh, if next season for some reason say it's not as good uh, as we are hoping and it's another bad one, uh, I do want to hopefully we can draw a line to remember some of the really good play. Uh, he was able to bring this defense uh, early on, like when he was paired with like a Jarrell Freeman. I mean, it's he's been here a while now. Uh, but don't get too soured out uh, is my frame of reference here because he's been such a really strong, impactful leader for this defense. Uh, even if they weren't able to get the complete team built around him, maybe as fast as Ryan Pace was hoping when they first brought him in oh, five years ago now, as we're talking about Nick. So time does fly. But let's go ahead and let's play some, uh, well, pass or play. And first up, I have Barkevius Mingo. I think we really tipped our hands earlier. We're both passing, right? Oh, no, Will. We're playing Barkevius Mingo. That's we right. like the effort that Mingo plays with, and the Bears just need some... Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say reliable, but more he's I, he's more on that side than he is unreliable, really, at that position. And I liked what he what he showed in his first season with the Bears, whether it's on kickoff or even punt, but at the outside. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night for a limited time save up to five hundred dollars on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic get full offer details at Tempur-Pedic.com backer position I liked what and that run that he had against the Tennessee Titans that that um fake he was he looked like a running back so I'm bringing back Archivius <laughs> Mingo he's as much as a running back as Cordero Patterson did I say that out loud <laughs> <laughs> okay I did, but no, you bring back Mingo. Uh, he's a really strong third uh, person in your outside linebacking rotation, but Nick, uh, the reason why I was pointing at you is you hit on it. He's a, also a very strong core special teamer type of guy. Uh, I know he's been around the league, uh, a kind of a journeyman, uh, but I think giving him another one or two-year deal here in Chicago uh, would be well-warranted. 
And I love to have him. I, I think with the athleticism he plays with. And Nick, just imagine, and I don't think he's had this a lot in his career, though, being in a part of the same defensive system for a couple of seasons, too. I think, again, not that he's going to become like a world beater, top 10 edge rusher, but he should be a real, it should only help him uh, be more impactful with the limited snaps that he could see. Uh, so consistency for Mingo, I think, would be beneficial for everybody. Uh, as well. So I bring him back in a heartbeat. I uh, really like the play I saw out of him last season. Uh, next, I did have Josh Woods. Uh, for fun fact, I had play, uh, and I think you had play yesterday, but you're changing your mind, which I don't know why, because he's also a really good special teamer kind of guy. He is, and I, you know, I put it by notes here, pass. I would have passed on him, but he was resigned. It, it really is like it, the Bears tipped their hand when in that wild card game, they felt more comfortable with the guy in the practice squad than putting Josh Woods out there in a very important game where, you know, obviously it's win and you're, you keep on, you keep your season going, but no, the bears thought let's put in Manti Teo over Josh Woods. And that was just after the game against green Bay where Josh Wood like nobody could, the linebackers couldn't cover anybody to save their lives in that game. So that's why I was just thinking about it. Like, man, I would have passed on him. You could get special team contributors, Manti Teo could be that guy, but um, they they resigned him, and so we were playing him regardless. Okay, uh, fine. I, I suppose I like Josh Woods. Uh, I'm I'm not totally surprised, and we don't have to agree on every player. Uh, the good news is he's a Chicago Bear, uh, so I feel good about mine. <laughs> uh, but no, I I think Manti. I don't think he can play special teams. He's not as fast. He's not as fluid, and I don't I don't know. I don't think he would be as coherent uh, maybe as Josh Woods in that regard, but we do have Manti up next. Would you pass or play him? Because I would play him as well. Uh, I liked what I saw in the playoff game. It wasn't uh, an amazing performance, but he was around the ball a lot. And for a guy that didn't really play at all last season, was brought onto this team late, uh, I, I liked what we saw uh, out of him uh, for the most part. I know he almost uh, ghosted us in our notes as we're preparing uh, as well, um, but he's here, he's real, and uh, I'm playing him. <laughs> Yes, he is real, um, and I'm playing him as well. I, I think that it's telling what the Bears did in that final game of the season. And he can, look, that's his first game, you know, game action in a while too against his former team. So I know he's amped. There's probably a lot of emotions going through him at that time, and he was able to, for the most part, hold his own. So I'm playing Manti Teo as well. What about James Vodders? He's here, um, but what did you have in your notes? Uh, I'm, it's interesting that we did delay this episode today. I know we've been dealing with the cold uh, throughout this week, um, but a couple of the guys uh, that we did have on this list did get re-signed. I did have play. Uh, I don't think that's any surprise to uh, to our listeners. Uh, I've been a big James Vodders fan going back a couple of seasons uh, from his big preseason uh, in 2019, uh, where I was really hoping he could make the active roster. Didn't at that time was able to make it last year. I still bring him back uh, to be a part of this rotation or at least bring him back to camp to see if he can be a part of that rotation. Ideally, you find enough competition that maybe you squeeze him out and you get better talent there. Uh, I would not be opposed to that, but as it stands today, I bring him back. And yeah, and I would have brought him and I would have brought him back yesterday too had we done the the podcast yesterday, Will. So I'm playing James Vodder's um solid. Solid um and he's developed. That's the thing, too. Like, I know that you can't say that for a lot of the players on this Bears roster, but I feel like James Vodders is one of the guys that has gotten better since he's been here, which you wish that was the case for more of the guys, but it is for James Vodders, so good for him, and he was re-signed, so 
Yeah, he is playing in. Well, we'll see. For the most part, he's playing in twenty twenty. He's going back to camp. Is how I like yes. to frame it. He's heading back to camp. We'll see how it all shakes out. Those are the linebackers. Let's move back to defensive line. So back where we started, and I'm gonna start with the. I, not the biggest name, um, but I think the name that is closest to most Bears fans, and that's going to be Roy Robertson Harris. Interesting. Uh, I, I think this one is much more difficult than I think you and I would both like it to be at this stage, considering how big of fans we have been of RRH throughout his time here in Chicago. But at the end of the day, this is a business. You're trying to build a football team. Uh, I know he has still some potential, but I feel like he's been more potential, less production. That's one way to look at it. I just think that there's enough tape now out there that someone else will think that and sign him to a bigger deal than the Bears will at this point. I think the Bears would like to have him back if it was, you know, friendly enough deal, but I just I think someone else will pay him. Um so I have play, but he gone is what I have in <laughs> in in parentheses there. So he is I guess a pa- it's not a it's a play, but it's a pass. He's not going to be. You're on the playing. Team. You think that he'll be out of the market, considering the cap situation. Yes. Yeah. So that's exactly how I'm approaching it. I'm straight passing. Uh, to be just uh, to rip the bandaid off here. I, again, to me, he's been a lot of potential. Hasn't been able to realize it, and at one point or another, you have to call an experiment a failed one and move on and find you know other options or at least explore other options for this team. Uh, I think there are some of those uh, here uh, that we'll get to in a minute uh, that c- could bring you the same amount of production for probably a lower price point, which I think is a big reason uh, that you'll make some of your decisions here as we kind of go through the remaining players. Uh, but for me, uh, it's a lot like Rashad Coward. Uh, and I know Rashad went through a whole different position change, but at one point or another, you have to, just call it what it is. And I think it's a field experiment. And again, Roy Robertson Harris has decent production, um, but for what we were hoping he would turn into, he's not quite there. But I do think he does possess that raw talent, that potential. Like you, Nick, uh, another team can see it, feel like, you know, we have a coach that can really untap that. And that's why they would give him a, maybe a little bit of a higher offer than maybe he is worth if he stays in house. Uh, so that's a big reason behind it as well, but uh, I'm ready to move on uh, from a personal standpoint. Let's move on to uh, John Jenkins. What would you do with yeah. John Jenkins? Because I think out of the next, we have three more players after him. Uh, there are at least two of them that I would put in the same kind of bucket. Uh, so it's really interesting to see what you want to do with some of these players. So John Jenkins, what would you do with him? I think you had to play him. Well, I think behind Eddie Goldman, you need somebody that is a true nose nose tackle, no, just someone who plays that position, that zero tech, because the Bears don't have that unless we're talking about Daniel McCullers, who that's next. I don't. That's the next guy, but I I just felt like the Bears are more comfortable with Jenkins. They well, this is his second stint now with the Bears, so they obviously are familiar with him. Um, they know that Eddie Goldman's coming back off a year of not playing football. I think you you could get him for a team team friendly deal too, to where he's happy, the Bears are happy, everybody wins. So John Jenkins is a play for me. He's a play for me as well. Uh, every reason you just mentioned. I'm not going to rehash it. Daniel McCullers is next, and I'm passing on him because I just brought in John Jenkins, and you don't need to keep filling in unnecessary nose tackles with Eddie Goldman coming back. Simple done. You on board? Yep, I'm on board. Pass. 
Done. <laughs> Sorry, Daniel. I feel bad. Uh, Brent Urban. I'm playing Brent. Uh, I was one. Of, I think I surprised you last year uh, when we did this episode, and I brought him back. Uh, and I mentioned uh, in 2019, really small sample size, decent amount of production. Liked what I saw. Thought they can continue to tap into it. Uh, I think you and I and Chuck Pagano didn't expect to have to tap into it as much as they did uh, last year. Um, but with that expanded role, he only continued to impress me. Uh, so I would bring back Brent. Uh, not, no, I wouldn't say in a heartbeat, but I would bring him back. How about you? Yeah, I'm all for bringing Brent Urban back. I think that, you know, with his length and playing that three technique when, you know, Akeem Hicks maybe isn't in the game or even if he is on the opposite side when maybe now Bilal Nichols can get a breather, I like what he can do. He can set the edge. It's not like he has all these pass rush capabilities, but he has that nice size to where he's a high motor. Yeah, very high motor. He loves to play his little air guitar after he makes some good plays. And we saw good plays out of him. Like, I don't want to use the word consistently, but they showed up. And we knew that Brent Urban was out there. So I'm all for playing Brent Urban. All right. And last but not least, we have a Mario. It's Mario Edwards. Uh, pass for play on uh, Mr. Mario. I think I think Mario Edwards has has some talent. There's there's that pass rush talent that you saw in the limited play that he had, but with his I think someone again, much like a Roy Robinson Harris, someone will see that. And also the what was it? Not the off season, it was in season incident that he had. Um forgot exactly what it was, but it it wasn't good. And with the Bears keeping this culture, I think that it's a play, but he'll be gone for a number of circumstances. So that's how where I'm at with Mario Edwards. But he definitely has some... He, out of those guys we mentioned, I think he has the most pass rush capability in terms of what he yep. can do move-wise. And it kind of it showed up in, in the season last year. I liked what he was able to produce on the field. Uh, again, I know there was that off-season incident. I can't remember off the top of my head, and honestly, it didn't even come to mind preparing this episode, which, again, maybe it's a good thing. Uh, that maybe it wasn't as major um, as you were mentioning, but... Did he play afterwards, or did they? Just, I remember there was the the very immediate game after he did not play. But I'm trying to remember: did they put him back to the active roster after the fact? Because if they did, I would look at that as a sign that they were they're willing to maybe bring him back this year. If they totally kept him inactive, then I would lean towards they're probably passing on him. But what he provides on the field, uh, like you mentioned, that pass rush. Uh, which is, again, I said that earlier in the show. You could always look for more pass rush from your defensive line. Uh, without him, you're still looking for another rotational guy uh, that can provide that same capability of pass rush. And for a former second-round pick, I think Edwards, even though he's had to bounce around a bit, uh, if he can retain him, again, consistency in the scheme, uh, I would like to see what he can do with another year here. Yeah, so he was suspended without pay for the first two games of the 2021 regular season, and he did end up playing after like the incident had happened because he was playing in the the wild card game. So he was playing, and what the what had happened was was issued a criminal summons on a charge of a misdemeanor assault on a female, according to a spokesperson with um, the district county in North Carolina in December. So during the season uh, is when. Things kind of happened, so he has to serve the suspension for two games, and he did. He did end up playing, you know, some other games for the Bears. But yeah, all all questions that the Bears got to talk to themselves about and see where they kind of stand with this. I hope they give him a second chance, uh, and I know there's a lot of uh, behavior that shouldn't be excused, 
Uh, and I don't want to make an excuse for this, um, but I think, Nick, you're human. I believe I'm human. Uh, most of us are. <laughs> and if <laughs> sometimes having a, you know, a temporary lapse of judgment or a, a mistake, if you can learn from it and be better from it, uh, I wouldn't mind giving him that second opportunity. Um, but obviously there are people who know and are more aware of the intimate details of this situation than you and I do. So I don't want to speculate on it too much. Um, but looking at purely Mario Edwards, the football player, I think we're both in agreement. We'd bring him back. There you go. Nick, no one can hear you shaking your head on the podcast, though. That is very true. Usually usually I say something, but I just did the head nod. I think I'm so used to Zoom conference calls where I'm muted all the time, where, Fair. like, oh, just give me the thumbs up or, you know, just the nod in class and... I just reverted to that when responding to you, Will. But that's fair. Yeah, I'm just good making player. sure that you know that when you're shaking your, the people on our stream can see it. That's not a problem, but it's a little bit of an awkward silence for those in the pod. Now they know why. Blame Zoom. Blame Zoom. All right. Uh, up next, uh, usually we dedicate this time to look at potential uh, surprise cuts uh, here at these positions that we just talked about so far. I think you and I both wish Robert Quinn could be a surprise cut. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I can't think of anyone here that could be cut. Uh, maybe Iggy, but he's a super cheap contract. He'd be a post-camp kind of cut. Like, he's not progressing well enough, so we're just going to let him go. Uh, same thing with maybe LaCale London, maybe Lil Mac. But I don't think there's anyone here that's going to get cut this offseason that's going to make any headways. No, yeah. If, if you see some, you know, someone like, Daniel McCullers, Daniel, you know, whatever it may be, he's not brought back. What, that's not going to be shocking to anybody. But the big name guys that we're expecting to be back, um, yeah, I think that shouldn't create headlines everywhere. Like if they didn't re-sign Barkevius Mingo, I'd, I'd actually be, I'd be pretty surprised about that. Like that would be like okay, that that wasn't one we were both expecting. But yeah, like you, I don't really expect that to kind of happen with this position group. No, I mean all three groups. of these. Yeah, it's interesting, right? And that's what's. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! 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 Ah! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I guess my last question uh, for you here for this show, because uh, I'm in a very much in alignment with you. Not a lot of overturn or overhaul uh, between all these positions. We're looking to, we both want to re-sign a lot of these guys. We don't really expect anyone to surprise us by being cut. But at the end of the day, Nick, they still were just average. I know we talked about Eddie Goldman, his impact of coming back. Are you just putting a lot of eggs in the Sean Desai basket, hoping he can get more out of this group, and it was a coaching issue? Uh, I think that's where I'm starting to lean. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, a mistake on my part yet. I think that's what uh, patience is going to you know, show me one way or the other. Uh, but just when I look at the, the pending free agents and I look at the draft and I look at the Bears cap situation, I can't find a lot that could be better, uh, that you can point to and immediately that's better. Of course, if you draft, you can see how things kind of work out. and uh, Potential lower name free agents could pan out, but I don't really expect them to have bigger contributions or impact than some of these players. Uh, so I feel like 
uh, I'm putting my eggs in the coaching basket to hoping they can get better production out of this unit. And obviously, we talked about the offense for the last two episodes, uh, a better offensive unit that can stand the field more consistently, score more points, uh, should only be able to help this defense too. Yeah, and I, just individual efforts from, you know, some of your big like we if Robert if going back to the, you know, the word if he's actually somewhat impactful for more than just what a couple of plays during the last kind of games of the season, then you have a different defense supplemented with those three, you know, defensive linemen that are anticipated to start for 2021. That could be a unit that that's why we're feeling confident in the guys that they have here, despite not much overhaul or anticipating much addition. So that's what I'm kind of looking toward. It's, it's gotta be Sean Desai and what he's bringing, but just hoping that, you know, even a guy like Dan Trevathan can just be a little bit more consistent with a Roquan Smith that's hopefully healthy. And so it's a lot of ifs and hopes and, you know, you're just, you're hoping that everything leads that direction, but that, that's where I'm kind of at, because if they don't have that will, then you're seeing a more so an average defense. Not not good to average, and with this Bears offense, without a franchise quarterback, you're not winning much games with that. No, it's just interesting, though, uh, to know this defense was average, but with on like a position-by-position position basis so far, we haven't talked about the secondary yet. Uh, but the position-by-position position analysis, player-by-player, player, just breaking it down, I, I, wa- I don't want to blow it up. Uh, I would want to bring them back and see what we can do for uh, uh, another go at it. But is there any other final thoughts that you have to close out this show or anything else that you wanted to make sure that we discussed today uh, when it comes to this defense or uh, Bears-related? You can tell me about grad school, uh, whatever you want to close off the show. Well, uh, grad school is one more week for this quarter, and then I have one quarter left. But just kind of looking at this last, what these three position groups, this would be the strongest point of this Bears defense. If I mean, obviously we have the safeties and cornerbacks to or later this week, but and our grades they weren't super high. They were more so the seven, seven and a half. I think you had for the outside line sixes, right? So. Yeah, now now what we were just talking about earlier about not bringing much guys and they have good a good group. It's it's going to be interesting how it all plays out and what just Sean Desai can get out of these guys because it's not like these eight or nines or you know what we had maybe last year. They're they're good. They can be better, but it's all going to depend on a lot of variables. The ifs, will the ifs. I'm just kicking myself in the ass because every time we do a podcast for these positional breakdowns i make all these awesome transitions like look at those defensive line and then you have like outside linebacker those are fantastic and then you have another one for like the inside linebacker unit and i forgot to hit each and every one of those (laughs) as we went throughout this show and i spend over an hour and a half of my week getting those prepared and this is two weeks in a row where i feel hit the button so in my notes moving forward i'm putting big bold yellow highlighted text that says hit the transition button dummy and then i'll make sure <laughs> uh to do that because that to me is pretty hilarious i was like looking making sure we can end this broadcast smoothly realizing i'm still in the first scene and we never went through any of those awesome transitions i did for the second straight week so people just saw them i'll flash up at one time uh, i'll try to make sure we remember those in the future 
Um, <laughs> I don't have anything further, Nick. Uh, I know we have the secondary to talk about next. With again, Buster Screen's gone. Uh, so the search, or it doesn't even need to be a search, but the quest uh, for the new nickel back here in this Bears defense, uh, it's on. Uh, it was on a couple years ago after Bryce Callahan. It's on again. Uh, I'm really curious to find out if it's Duke Shelley uh, or maybe the Bears need to go find out a new starting nickel. That's interesting to me. Um, one quick reminder, you can help us out by using our new code MANSCAPED. Uh, it's at fa- the code is fansided20. You can use it at manscaped.com. Again, we'll be back soon to break down the final two positions on the defense, cornerback and safety. And I mentioned Duke Shelley, nickel corner, but what about safety? Will the Bears also have a new starting strong safety for the third time in three years? Hmm. Well, we'll discuss those questions and a whole lot more next time. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.